Hey, it's Red from Indianapolis. I'm Derek from Carmel, Indiana. Hi, this is George from San Francisco, and I'm doing my best Jesse Thorne impression. Not so good, huh? The Sound of Young America is an independent production. Supported by listeners like, well, me. If you'd like to support the show like I did, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. I'm Jesse Thorne, live on tape from my house in Los Angeles. It's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. It's The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest on the program is one of America's most popular fashion bloggers. His blog, The Sartorialist, has elevated the art of the street photograph to high fashion, um, or at least combined them. And he's got a brand new book called The Sartorialist that's a compilation of his photographs from the blog. Um, Scott Schumann, The Sartorialist, welcome to The Sound of Young America. Thank you. You worked in the fashion industry for a long time. Um, uh, I read that you worked in a in a showroom or, or something like mm-hmm. that. Well, I owned a showroom. Uh-huh. You owned a showroom. What I don't even know honestly what a showroom is. It's uh, I work. I would work with designer collections with designers that I represented in the showroom, and then show their collections to stores all around the U.S. that would come to New York to see the collections. You know whether it was. Neiman Marcus or Saks Fifth Avenue, something like that. I was the one that sold those collections into the stores. Did you imagine yourself having a life doing something like that when you were 17, 18 years old? Yeah. I mean, you know, I loved the fashion business. Uh, I loved the, kind of the idea, the world of fashion. You know, the, where I grew up in Indiana, there was no fashion business. There really was no fashion. So the romantic idea of that world was great. You know, I loved the, the romance of that kind of idea. But, uh, you know, I didn't know any designers when I was growing up. I didn't know at all what that lifestyle was like. The only thing that I knew was what it was like to sell. You know, my dad did a lot of sales training videos when he was growing, when, when I was young. And, you know, I knew what it was like to sell something at the mall. So working in a showroom did not seem like, or, or somehow working in the sales end of it didn't seem that difficult. What was the romance that you talked about? What, what was appealing to you about it? Uh, beautiful women. <laughs> <laughs> In sexy clothes, it worked for me. Was there something about the fashion part of it besides just the uh, pretty ladies part of it? Well, I mean, I mean, if you're really talking about when I was 12 or, or 13, when I first started to fall in love with it, no, I mean, it was, the, it, was, it was the romance of a lifestyle that, you know, I never had seen around. I knew they were humans when I looked at the pictures. They just didn't look like anyone that I knew. Um, they, they didn't live in houses that I, that I would ever be in. They didn't. Um, eat at restaurants that looked like the restaurants that I ever ate in. So it wasn't just the, the women themselves, but it was just this totally different romantic world that uh, you know seemed very far away from where I was. And it's not like I lived on a farm. I lived in suburban Indianapolis. Um, but still, it just seemed so interesting. And um, there was no way to get there. You know, It's not like we were traveling off to Europe during the summers or anything. When did you start shooting photographs? About 10 years ago. But, you know, I... I I taught myself, you know, I always loved photography and I loved the art of it and loved the, and knew the history of fashion photography, but uh, I never found anything that I wanted to shoot until I had my own little kids. And, you know, I started taking pictures of them and then started taking pictures of other things and it just kind of grew from there. The world of fashion photography um, in the last 50 years or so 
has been uh, a world uh, that's about creating uh, the kind of romance that you were imagining as a kid, um, sometimes to almost like abs- absurd extents. I mean, um, creating worlds in the space of six or seven photographs. Mm-hmm. Um, was doing that appealing to you? No. Um, you know, I love fashion photography and I loved, I, I appreciated it. But uh, for some reason, I just never, I, I don't have a lot of patience to, you know, and you watch movies and they're, whenever they do a fashion shoot in a movie, they um, are in a studio and they've got lighting and all this stuff, all these people around. That part had no romance to me. And I didn't really know you could just grab a camera and walk out by yourself and shoot and get good results, get really beautiful images. So once I kind of learned more about photography and realized that, you know, some of the best photographs I've always loved were taken in a very simple way. And that's such a, such a big group effort that um, I started thinking, oh, maybe this is something I can do. What was the first time that you took a camera out and shot people for a whole day? Uh, well, it was actually before I started the Sartorialist. I think it was probably, and actually one of the photographs from that first time ended up in the book is... Um, uh, I went and walked along the marathon route during the New York City Marathon because I, I'd run the marathon twice myself and I knew that it went all through these different parts of, of the city that I typically wouldn't go necessarily if there weren't 30,000 other people with me. So I got my camera and I walked through the route quickly through Brooklyn and Bronx and Queens and Manhattan and all of that. Not the entire route, but really good parts of it. And uh, there was a part in Williamsburg with the Hasidic Jewish area and there was a guy that was dressed in traditional Hasidic Jewish uh, uh, the kind of outfit that they wear. And he just looked cool. There was just something about him, the way he was standing or something like that. And I didn't talk to him. I was standing about 15 feet away from him. But I just kind of got his attention, pointed the camera, gave him kind of a head nod. And he could tell I wanted to take his picture. And so he folds his arms and leans against this um, like a, a red box that's some kind of um, fire station box and tilts his hat forward and takes such a kind of a cool guy pose that, um, you know, I just thought, oh, this was the perfect picture, you know, and I just wasn't expecting him to take such a cool, almost like a, like a tough pose. It reminded me of the Rat Pack. I was just looking at it this morning, the way he, he tilts his, uh, his headgear forward. It's like Frank Sinatra, the the Hasid. Total, total attitude. And and it was total from him. I didn't tell him what to do. I mean, we didn't even speak. Uh, there, and I don't know why it, why he was. I didn't take any other pictures in that area. But there was just something about that guy. And and I, I don't know if I'm just a good judge of character or whatever. But I mean, he totally did that on his own. And it's such a great. You know, I love that shot because it's such attitude from someone that you don't usually see have that kind of attitude. You describe in one of the text descriptions of uh, a photograph in the book. Seeing this uh, pair of uh, young men in London sort of out of the corner of your eye, is that something that happens to you a lot when you're out on the street, that you're struck by some quality of someone before you're even struck by the um, the particular clothes they're wearing or, or the particular matching of patterns or, or colors or whatever it may be? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot when I'm out walking around, I'm just reacting. You know, I'm reacting to what I'm seeing. Maybe it's a proportion Maybe it's a color combination for those particular. I mean, in that particular photograph, uh, one of the guys had a really dramatic hairstyle, kind of big, crazy hairstyle, and, and um, it's one of those things that you know. I have, I'm 40, almost 42 now, so you know, natural 
aging and sight not being quite as good that uh, as I see someone that's kind of far away, they slowly start to come more into focus. And whatever it was that caught my attention, you know, a, a beautiful pair of high heels or a crazy hairstyle or color combination, it's as they come closer, like, it's whether or not it continues to hold my interest, you know, as it keeps getting better. If I keep saying more interesting, more interesting, then I'll usually end up trying to, to get a shot. But um, I'm usually just reacting and uh, uh, to something, but I'm totally open to what it is. And that's the hardest part when you're out shooting, when you've got a, a life and a business and everything else, that to try and keep that out of your mind just for those couple of hours when you go out and shoot and just react to what you're seeing. I might always know what it was immediately that I was reacting to and I might not know until I get back later and really look at the photograph and think, you know, what was it about that person or that moment that, that I was reacting to? It's The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is fashion blogger Scott Schumann. He's got a brand new book of his street photographs called The Sartorialist. Max FunCon is an annual convocation of awesome hosted by me, Jesse Thorne, and MaximumFun.org. You can spend a weekend in beautiful Lake Arrowhead, California, enjoying classes and shows from some of our favorite past Sound of Young America guests. This year, we'll have Jonathan Colton, Casper Hauser, Maria Bamford, Mark Marin, Al Madrigal, Jimmy Pardo, Andrew WK, and more. Registration for Max FunCon just opened, but beds go fast. Visit MaximumFun.org for more information and registration. Production of The Sound of Young America is underwritten in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. It's The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest, Scott Schumann, is better known as the fashion blogger, The Sartorialist. You post new pictures on the blog every day. Um... And with remarkable discipline, when you first started the blog and you first started um, shooting enough pictures to post two or three shots in a given day, um, what did you learn? What what was different from how you expected it to be? Well, I didn't really know how it was going to be. You know, I I didn't know how many people, you know, I'd not gone out before I started the blog and seriously tried to do this. I mean, the, the great thing about blogs is they're free, basically. There's so many services that will allow you to start a blog for free. I didn't have to think about it a lot. I didn't have to plan out, you know, this was one of those things that was not done in a marketing kind of way or a, a saleable product kind of way. That's where the sincerity and the integrity come in, comes in that, you know, this was kind of a hobby. I realized quickly that it was something I could I could make a living out of. But I didn't really think about it that way. I just wanted to go out and, and kind of take these pictures in a selfish way and share them, you know, with, with people. I didn't know how big the audience would get. I didn't know exactly who was looking at it. But I felt that I had a good enough point of view and fashion for both men's and women's that some people would look at it. And, you know, if it went well, I could continue to do it or, or not. Um, but I think what I learned was just to kind of keep true that, you know, people will see if you're not taking the picture with the level of, consistent quality and, and integrity that you want. So now if I go out and spend three or four hours and I don't get a shot, I'm totally fine with that um, because it just means I didn't see someone that, that uh, held a particular thing that day. And, um, you know, so I won't post if I don't have a photograph. And I don't necessarily put them up right that day. I mean, I might have a great day and get 10 shots and post them throughout the week. But um, the only thing I've learned is it, it's not that I learned, but it just really enforced the fact that um, you have to shoot 
what feels right to you. And because I'm not so unlike a lot of other people, what feels right to me usually um, works for a lot of people. What choices do you make as a photographer when you're shooting on the street rather than shooting in a, a studio or on a, you know, elaborate high concept set? Uh, well, I mean, you have to make choices very quickly because you never know where you're going to see someone. You know, it can be in a great spot for a photograph or it can be an awful spot for a photograph. So you have to quickly judge that person if that person will walk with you a block away to a better spot. If that person, you know, is in a hurry, is, you know, wants to be photographed, doesn't want to be photographed, can't figure out if they want to be photographed. And, um, you know, usually before I stop the person, I'm trying to figure out, you know, which direction do I want to shoot? Do I want to, you know, backlight with the light, you know, um, against the street, against the wall, whatever it is. Um, but you know, that's the most fun part. That's the part of the, the job that's fun is you never know when you're going to see something. And it's that kind of natural excitement. Oh, okay. I've found something now. How can I make a great picture out of it? It's like finding something in the refrigerator, uh, when you don't think you have anything in there and, and you find a couple of good ingredients and you try and figure out how to make a good omelet. So it's that kind of not knowing that always makes it good. Do you feel like you have, um, any responsibility to step outside of the world of fashion when you're presenting your work as being that of a street photographer? Do you feel like you need to be like, say, um, the, uh, the New York Times uh, legendary street photographer, Bill Cunningham, who, you know, rides around on a bicycle in an anorak and uh, takes a thousand pictures of ladies in flowered hats? Um, and he's just a really cool, amazing dude. I don't. I felt like that sounded like I was making fun of him. Um, but do you feel like? Do you feel like you have a responsibility to to explore new territory? I don't feel that I have to do it. I do it because I like to do it. Um, I like running into new and different people. You know, the the challenge for something like this is how do I keep myself excited? You know, I see the same people at the fashion shows all the time, and um, and if I happen to see a picture I want to take, I'll take it. But I'm just as happy, you know, when the shows are over that day and I'm walking back and find somebody else that I want to shoot. I mean, the most honest answer I can give is I really don't care, you know, where the person's coming from. I don't care if it's a doctor and, you know, a, a, a basketball player, whatever, because I'm actually kind of shooting from a very selfish point of view. It's what I can get out of it. And I just happen to be open enough that, you know, I, it, it could be anybody. And, my challenge, I think, going forward, because I have documented kind of the fashion world so well, is I want to continue to do that, but I also want to, to travel and go to some more places, you know, and not only domestically, but internationally, go to places like um, maybe like Rajasthan that has such a beautiful kind of natural, cultural uh, look in the way that they dress. Um, they can be very inspiring, maybe not fashionable, but incredibly stylish and incredibly inspiring. I think inspiration is an important element of what I try and capture in the pictures because, you know, there are some pictures that maybe I don't like the dress. It's not that I don't like the dress, but maybe it's not a dress I particularly love. But when, you know, a girl's walking down the street and the wind's blowing just right and the, and the, the way the wind uh, kind of captures the, the length of that dress and it's, it's, you know, creates a beautiful image, I think a lot of people, whether it's a designer or someone like that, will look at that image and think, okay, I don't like that. If I design that dress, uh, I might make it long, I might make it in that fabric, but a different print. Or I would put a different trim. You know, it, I think the idea of inspiration is more important than just taking pictures of saying that person's well-dressed and that person's not well-dressed. I think it's more of an abstract idea of how it inspires people. And that's more, than, that's more important than um, you know, judging other people. 
You photograph a lot of um, older people, especially older men. Um, is that something that you choose? Do you uh, do you imagine yourself when you're shooting in other stages of life? Oh yeah, you know, and one of the things I'm very proud of is for something that's taken as seriously in the fashion world as my blog's being taken, that it's a place where a lot of young people say, that's how I want to look when I get older. I mean, that just doesn't happen in the magazines anymore. And, um, and it's very, you know, very much from a selfish point of view. I, when I see some of these guys, and I think, oh, that's how I want to look. You know, I should remember that, you know, how this guy's done this. Or even, and a lot of times it's, it's not even thing, anything specific. It's, you know, the dignity in which they stand. It's the it's, you know, they still kind of put themselves together, that they don't feel like they're um, a lesser part of the society. They still feel that, you know, very centered part of the society. And they still present themselves in a really great kind of dignified way. And not always necessarily dressed up. There's just something about them, the way they stand, whatever. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a very selfish thing. You know, I'm trying to figure out how I want to try and grow old uh, reasonably, gracefully. I mean, it's much more real than trying to figure out how to look younger. Scott, you've, I'm sure, spent a lot of time looking at people uh, before you were the sartorialist, but how are you different now, um, uh, five years or so, into shooting people um, hours and hours a day on the street and looking for people to shoot? How has it changed you? Uh, I'm proud of what I've been able to do in terms of um, uh, sharing uh, a real positive message that, that you can have in fashion that's not so judgmental, that there's a lot of beauty in a lot of different ages, races. I mean, if you look at the book, I mean, it's, you know, it's not celebrity-driven. It's not high-fashion-driven necessarily. It's about fashion, but it's more about style, and it's more about these people. I think it's what I say in the introduction. I personally, when I look at the book, even though I know the core is fashion— I don't really think about fashion when I look at a lot of these pictures. They're really portraits. And the underlining theme is that they all seem to have some kind of interesting style or interesting look about them. But I do think they're good portraits. And I think it's opened me up a little bit more as a human. To, I don't feel like I'm reporting. You know, I hate photographs. They're just a report of what someone's wearing. I think it's opened me up to kind of be open to these different kinds of people and not always big, over-the-top, dramatic fashion people, but also people that have a very quiet charm about them, a very small presence, but are big in their in their self-awareness. And I think to be able to see that and not always just look for the most overly the top glamorous people and to see the smallness of them and still capture that and appreciate that. And um, that's something I'm, I'm more proud of myself that I've been more sensitive to other people and I've been able to kind of understand other people a little bit better, which is great if you're you know a dad and you want your kids to be able to be sensitive to other people and, and to be um, a good neighbor. Uh, I think that's a good thing to be able to teach them. Have you ever had occasion to talk to like a um, mental health professional about your predilection for uh, half-smoked cigarettes and rolled-up pants legs? Well, if I, uh, <laughs> if I wasn't in Europe all the time, if they would let people smoke inside, I wouldn't have all those outside smoking pictures, but I guess they have to go out there. I'm going to get some kind of Photoshop filter that can turn them all into lollipops. <laughs> Scott, thank you so much for being on The Sound of Young America. It was really great to have you. Sure. Thank you. Scott Schumann's brand new book is The Sartorialist. It's also the name of his blog. It's a beautiful collection of photographs of stylish people on the street. 
That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I've been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones, our theme music provided to us by Dan Wally. In fact, all the music from the program provided to us by Dan Wally. Our editor in Chicago is Nick White, our intern, Mariel Reyes. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org, and I hope you'll join us for MaxFunCon in May of 2010. You can find more information on MaxFunCon, which features lots of our favorite past Sound of Young America guests in an idyllic uh, hunting lodge meets summer camp context on a lake here in Southern California uh, at maxfuncon.com maxfuncon.com If you have thoughts about the show, you can always email me. My email address is jesse, J-E-S-S-E at maximumfun.org and you can just address it to me. People send these emails and say to whom it may concern or something. Basically, Nick works part-time on the show editing it, and besides that, it's just me, so I'm the one that gets your email, jesse at maximumfun.org. We'll see you next time right here on The Sound of Young America from PRI, Public Radio International.